Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. Jennifer LeClaire here. You can see in the spirit. I want to invite you to take the Seer Activation Challenge. 30 days to clearer spiritual sight. I'm going to be on board doing Seer Activations with you, guiding you through biblical entryways and much, much more. You can opt to take the Seer Activation Challenge at tinyurl.com slash seeractivation. Tinyurl.com slash seeractivation. You can also opt to get these three books, Seer Dimensions. You can get Power Seers. This just came out. Keys to Upgrading Your Prophetic Vision. And you can get Seer Activations with 101 Seer Activations and a whole lot more teaching. I want to challenge you to see what you've never seen before. God wants you to be able to see in the Spirit. Open your eyes to the Seer Dimensions in Jesus' name. to our life group here in Atlanta, Georgia, and we want to welcome all of you from around the world, wherever you are gathering, from Africa to Europe to Asia, and you get an opportunity to be a part of something that is great, and for the next few uh, lessons, we're going to be talking about the kingdom, but in particular, I'm going to be addressing you on life lessons from the parables of Christ, and one of the things that I began to understand is that a lot of people hear about the kingdom, but they don't really understand how to practicalize it. So it's this catchphrase that is going on around the world and people are decreeing and declaring, but they're not seeing very much manifestations. And so I was praying the other day and the 
Lord began to speak to me about life lessons and everybody is giving life lessons. This is the catchphrase in this generation. And he instructed me to give life lessons from the parables of Christ. So this is all about manifesting the reality of the kingdom of God so that you can think biblically so that you can engage globally, so that you can live godly, and you could progress, prosper, and succeed principally. The shortened version of that is think biblically, engage globally, and live principally. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. So let's pray. Our Father God, we give you praise and honor and glory. We sense your anointing. We sense your presence. You said that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. And this is the latter house. This is the dispensation of grace. And we thank you, Father, that this place right now is filled with your glory. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory and we thank you for it father thank you for a fresh anointing holy spirit we sense your presence we know that it's not by might nor by power but it's by your spirit spirit of the living god breathe upon us anoint me afresh father i prepared myself but you said the preparation belonged to man but the answer of the tongue belongs to you father fill me with your spirit and give me articulation of speech think through my mind speak through my lips let there be none of me all of you as this message is being received I pray for transformation of the mind I pray for empowerment I pray for encouragement motivation and inspiration father let us be open to change and open for change let the heavens be open open our heart open our mind open our spirit so that once we have heard the message of the kingdom our lives will be revolutionized so that we can be revolutionary within the fields that you have called us to influence, to dominate, and to be leaders. I thank you now, Father, for what we will hear and for giving us a greater understanding of the kingdom so that the kingdom becomes reality, Father, so that we can think biblically, engage globally, and so we can live a principled life. For, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to draw your attention. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you. We're going to draw your attention to Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. Mark 4, 1 to 2. Jesus um, is teaching uh, by the wayside. And so many people had gathered together uh, to hear his teaching. And it's interesting because today a lot of people use social media. They use television. They use all kinds of means. They have PR specialists, marketing specialists, just so that they have a standout brand. But Jesus never had social media. There was no television. There was no radio. And yet the masses followed him. And they had to be following him for reasons. And if we can extrapolate that reason, we can apply it today. Because if he could dominate the industry, the sphere that he had influence over, and that was an entire nation, and if he could get the attention, he lived in Jerusalem and throughout that, that region, but if he could get the attention of, of, of Italy, because at that particular time, Rome was ruling, and uh, the whole world was Romanized, but if he could get the attention, of the government 
of that day, and it was the superpower of that day. At that particular time, Italy was was equivalent to the United States of America. After you had the Roman government, after the Roman government, you had the British rule, and they became the superpower, and then the United States of America uh, subsequently has become the superpower of this day. So if you could deal, if you could think of Rome as the superpower, similar to the United States of America, you could see that he he was born during a very significant time in human history, and he was he was he was um, operating or even uh, fulfilling his assignment and purpose during the Roman government. And it's similar to the world that we live in today. If we could do a comparison. So we are living during a time where the United States of America is the superpower. And not only that, many of you that are listening are actually living in the United States of America. And some of you are in different parts of the world. But during this generation, the superpower of the world is the United States of America. So if we can do a similarity and a comparison so that this starts to make sense. And when Jesus was born, it, it was modern during his time. So he was not only a part of history, he was a history maker. He was actually making history. And all of us are history makers. We're making history. We're affecting something in the universe that is going to affect generations years from now, long after we die, should the Lord delay his coming. So if we can extrapolate from his teaching principles that we can live by, so that we can be agents of change, tools in the hand of God, whether that's in the sphere of your family, whether that influence is domestically, and we don't want to undermine the role of a uh, modern day stay-at-home mom. Because a lot of times when we think of movers and shakers, we often forget those that are home and raising children. But there are mothers now that are raising the next government. They are raising the next doctor. They're raising the next lawyer. So all of us are influencers and all of us are leaders. Many of us are not conscious of it. And so by the end of this series, we want you to see yourself truly as lights in this world, that you are leaders. You are the leaders this world is looking for. And you're going to lead by example. You're going to lead through godliness and righteousness. And you're going to lead with a sense of confidence that God has placed you in this generation at this time because of what he has placed on the inside of you. You are loaded with potential, loaded with greatness. And we pray that as you begin to hear this message, it's going to empower you to begin to dig deep on the inside to see what God has placed in you that can push humanity forward. And so Jesus now is teaching in the book of Mark. And as you are aware, the, 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 the life of Jesus Christ is outlined in the gospel and we have different perspectives. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is about the king and his kingdom. So anything you want to know about the kingdom, you turn to Matthew. Mark is different. Mark is a book of servant leadership. Luke is, 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 is different from Mark and, 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 and it's different from John. When you get to the book of, of Luke, you have Matthew king and his kingdom. Um, Mark is, uh, basically about servant leadership and, and Luke is 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 about the kingdom expressed in um, 
um, in, in leadership in particular. And then John is about relationships. And when you get to Luke, it's how we relate to money. So if you want to know anything about relating to people, you look at the book of Mark. And this is all about how you lead people, how you influence people, and how to become a servant leader. But the reason why I took Luke and I said it's about relationship, because we very seldom talk about relationship with money. We talk about relationship with people, but it's all about money. It's about kingdom economics, biblical finances. And then John, of course, is is about uh, how Jesus built these powerful relationships around the world and how he dealt on an intimate level with his intimate relationship. And in in John, you read the story, John 11, you read the story about uh, how Jesus dealt with death and dying and and his his close friends and, and how he was moved with compassion and how he was touchable and approachable. And, and that's John. So in the book of Mark, we're looking at servant leadership here. That's the context. And so now you have Jesus uh, uh, demonstrating what it looks like to be an influencer. And uh, there's a difference between being uh, a a celebrity with influence and being an influencer. And we should not get the two uh, uh, mixed up. We realize that God wants to give all of us celebrity status. The Bible says that he's going to replace the spirit of heaviness with the garment of praise. That word praise is not an active word, is a passive word. It's something that happens to you. It simply means people are going to praise you or celebrate you or hold you in high esteem. And he's going to put that garment upon you. Another word for garment, mutt. Is the word um, uh, mental? So a mental cannot be being seen in the natural, but it can be experienced. And when you walk with a, a mental, you are emitting a presence that people have to honor and have to respect. And I decree and declare: if you have experienced the heaviness of being rejected and being overlooked, that season is over. I decree that heaviness is being lifted right now, and he. He's replacing it with a mental of praise. People are going to honor you. People are going to respect you wherever you're called. And you are coming out. The real you is coming out. And the real influencer is coming out. And so in Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 2, we're going to find our text there. The Bible said, and he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship. And he sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in doctrines. So if I were to title this um, particular lesson, I would call it a semester on the sea. So this is your semester on the sea. Life lessons from the parables of Christ, a semester on the sea. So just think of you being in a university and they say to you, rather than being in brick and mortar, we're going to take you on a cruise ship. And we're going to study. We're going to just uh, uh, cruise from one country to another. And uh, you're going to study on the cruise ship. How many of you would be interested? And this is, uh, Jesus was none 
traditional. And we've got to get out of the tradition of just inviting people to church, you know, and, and bringing, uh, bringing people to our bubble because the traditional church lives in the bubble, sings in the bubble, pays their time in the bubble. And then we want to invite people to become bubble people. And we tell them, come as you are, but we really mean come as we are. We, we, we don't want to go out fishing. We want, we want to scale the fish before they're caught. But Jesus was different. His teaching was to actually catch the fish and then scale them. And he didn't, he didn't take out a, a heavy uh, knife that was serrated where while he was scaling it, he was cutting them deep. He was, he was very meticulous in his teaching. He recognized that their mentality took a while for them to develop. And so it would take a while for them to gain a new kingdom mentality. Mentality. So uh, he was a master teacher. This is why when Nicodemus had the occasion of encountering Jesus, he called him rabbi. And in those days, a rabbi would have studied at least for 21 years. So that means that Jesus went beyond uh, just a regular tertiary degree. He had several PhDs. So a rabbi was someone that was learned and disciplined in law. And this is why the Pharisees and scribe could never stump him because they would, they would have been trained in the legalities of, um, of, of the Hebrew nation and they would be equivalent to uh, lawyers today. And so when, when they were throwing things out at Jesus, hoping to catch him, then he was able to counter it because he had a developed disciplined mind. So the first thing you have to know about Christianity is that when you get saved, you do not check your mind at the door. That's what you don't leave. It's about the renewing of the mind. Jesus talks about, or Paul talks about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so that renewal simply means that if you understand that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it can also go if. And so that means to come is a present active continuous. That means when it comes to the word of God, you've got to be a lifelong student. You never, you never reach a point where you know it all. And the more you know about the kingdom, the more successful you will be living the kingdom, accessing the privileges of the kingdom, manifesting the kingdom and that kingdom being a reality in your life. My challenge to you today is to become a student of the Bible. And that means that it requires you to be challenged to change. So my question to all of you today, are you open to change? And are you open for change? Okay, so let's just begin to challenge your thinking. The problem comes when we fail to realize how we have been controlled all of our lives by a system that is structured to undermine who we are in Christ. And I'm going to say it again. Um, a lot of people don't realize when we talk about the conspiracy theory, it's more than a conspiracy. It's a reality that there is a malevolent force that is conspiring to control the minds of humanity. Once you control the mind, you control everything about that person. And all you have to do is get two or three people that band together to create a 
culture. So can you imagine from generation to generation, there is a culture that is a machinery that is producing the current mentality. Now, our mindset is sustained through imagery. So all you have to do is have an image in front of our people and then you can control their mentality. And we're going to dig deeper and deeper as to why you need to be careful and be more intentional about television, about radio, about news, because it's all about mind control. So let's talk about controlling the universe. You could police them. And you can armor people in the military, um, in the police, and you can give them guns, and you can give them tasers, and anyone that is moving from out of the control of a system, you tase them, you shoot them, and you can control the masses. But it's too many people. Where are you going to find the military might and the police might in order to police everybody 24 hours a day? It's impossible. We're straining now with, with a budget that, that cannot um, support all of the programs that government wants. We're, we're in debt as a government. So we know that government uh, is not going to hire a whole bunch of military as well as police to control the masses. So the second way that you can control a group of people is through their mindset. Now, how do you control a person through their mindset? You need repetition. So now, if you can repeat something over and over again, eventually they accept it as truth. Now, the Bible said that we have to be careful that, that we are not entertaining the devil who can transform himself as an angel of what? Light. And that word light, let there be light. Light is not only the absence of darkness, it's the absence of ignorance. It's the absence of malevolent forces. So that means if a person is in darkness, they're ignorant. If they're in darkness, they have no revelation. If they're in darkness, they have no wisdom. And so Jesus, when he came, the Bible said, the light shines into darkness. That means that when Jesus came, he he bought revelation. He bought wisdom. He bought instruction. He bought that to us so the light is able to shine in the darkness of our mind so that we are enlightened. And isn't that the Paul, the prayer of Paul? That the eyes of your understanding what would be what? Enlightened. And so when we talk about seeing, usually we, d- we think about the eyes. But you don't see with your eyes. Your eyes only let in light but you see with your mind so that means that if God was going to do something he's going to revolutionize your mind so that you can think as he originally planned for you to think and not be controlled by those that are conspiring to control humanity And this control started at around about the age of three or four, where you went into daycare and they set you in chairs and everyone sat in the table and they dressed you alike and they taught you alike and they told you when to use the bathroom. They told you what you can think and they can tell you what you can, where you can go. And that continued from preschool to elementary school to high school to tertiary education. And then when you were hired, we were all 
thinking alike. It didn't matter whether you were a doctor or a lawyer, you were already controlled by a system. And that system controls you straight through um, until you get to uh, your jobs. And then someone on your job is telling you how to think. And so there is no room for thinkers. And there's a handful of people that are attempting to control the universe at the expense of the masses who are ignorant to the fact that they're not thinking their own thoughts. They're not thinking their own thoughts. And that's why you've got to be careful of social media media, and traditional media. Because there's everybody saying the same thing. And it's, it, it, it is a conspiracy that has become a reality because they're controlling people's spending. Because if they can control your mind, they can control your spending. If they can control your mind, they can control your relationships. If they can control your relationship, they can control your your thoughts. If they control your thoughts, they control your destiny. They control everything just through the control of your thoughts. And the Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was his mentality? His mentality was to stay connected to the Father without distraction. And I am decreeing that your days of living with distraction are over. God is giving you a direct hook up with the Holy Spirit and he's going to direct your focus. He's going to show you things to come. He will not have you looking around to determine what God is up to. He's going to change your vision. He's going to change your perspective. He's going to change your understanding of who you are in Christ Jesus. This, this system is structured to undermine who we are in Christ Jesus. And so when we hear people And when we hear them talk about what is going on in the universe, they always talk about it as if if they're a victim of circumstance. Stuff is happening to me. Um, And we've lost connection with our position of victory in Christ Jesus. You are not living in this world as a victim. Tum, you are living in this world as more than a conqueror. You have already overcome by the broad of the lamb and the word of the testimony. You feel that, right? You've already overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. So scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24 is interesting. It says, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness or right living. So when we deal with righteousness, we're dealing with right living. How to live right. How to live uh, according to God's original plan and purpose. And then the scripture says, and true holiness. So Jesus spent the bulk of his ministry teaching his disciples on success kingdom or successful kingdom living. So the disciples wanted to know why. Why? Is this teaching so important? So let's pick up that conversation in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 and verse 10 to 13. Matthew 13, 3, 10 to 13. And this outlines the conversation that Jesus and his disciples is having. He's right in the middle of a lesson teaching them about kingdom living and the importance of understanding the kingdom. Scripture says, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto 
to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. Therefore spake I uh, to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. So when we talk about seeing, um, we talk about not only being able to see through your eyes by the mind, but to see has to do with understanding. Okay. You see what I mean? So I'm not asking you to literally see the words. I'm literally asking you to understand the words and your understanding has to be contextual. It's possible that you may misunderstand a teaching if your context is wrong. Have you ever been in an argument and it just didn't make sense? And you said, well, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, you know, you said, but I didn't mean that. But you said it. But that's not what I mean. It simply means that the person didn't have the context. And if they had the context, then their understanding would have been different. And so Jesus, in all of his teaching, he wanted them to have a context. And the context had to be the kingdom. And they were engaged. You know, just just tell us what you mean. Why are you telling us and using these parables? And so when Jesus walked the earth, his main objective was one of restoring mankind back to his original state, his mentality, his place of dominion and power, and his relationship with God. So those are the four things he wanted to do. He wanted us to be restored back to our state. Number two, our mentality, the way that we were thinking when God created us. Number three, our place of dominion and power. And number four, a place of having the right relationship with God. And so in Luke 19 and 10, he says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, not who was lost, but that which was lost. We're not at that. We're a who. Okay. So the first thing he said, I've come to seek. So the word seek means that it's not always going to be obvious. It means to discover or find something that was lost. And then to save has to do with to seek, find what that was lost and is not easily discernible. And it was discernible to him, but it wasn't discernible to us. Because if you grow up in a broken system, you're broken and you think that brokenness is normal and natural. If you grow up in mediocrity, you think mediocrity is normal. So it's not going to be obvious to us because everybody is thinking like us. So it's not obvious that something is wrong. So he came to seek out. He came to seek it out to be able to show us, okay, this is what God wants for you. It's right here. It's available. But now your context is wrong. So you're not going to be able to see immediately what we are offering you, even if you're sitting in a church for 10, 15, 20 years. And you, 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 let's go back to this conspiracy. So, so if I want you to think at a grade eight level, or maybe a grade five is dropped a little bit more, think at a grade five level, even though I convince you that you've got a PhD, but your comprehension is only at a grade five, but you've got a PhD, you're, you're pushing for a title, but that means when you come to church, it doesn't matter whether you have, you have no degree or a PhD, you, you, you've been uh, socialized by the same system. So you're the same person. 
You just spent more money and more time to uh, be uh, uh, controlled even at a higher level. Because now you got a degree in ignorance. (laughs) Right? You got a PhD. And remember, ignorance for us is blindness. It's blindness. Another word for ignorance is blind. So now you, 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 you are more blind. And, and, and like I said, you got a degree in blindness. You got a BA in blindness and a master's in blindness and a PhD in blindness. So you are really, really, really blind. All right. And so he said, I've, I've come now to seek and to save. The word save is not a religious word. You see, If we keep thinking of sin, the word sin, the concept of sin, if we keep thinking of the concept of sin as as being um, drugs, alcohol, sex, rock and roll, if we think of sin as as being an act and not a mentality, you see, sin is a simple word for sin. You have to have context now. Back in those days, Olympics was big. So Olympics is not a modern creation of this generation. It's been around for centuries. So in Olympics, they had uh, archery. You shoot with a bow and arrow. And archery is about physics. It's a mathematical formula for how you play archery. It's a very interesting game. So you, you got to account for the wind flow and all the aim, all kinds of things go in, the force, the thrust, all of that goes into hitting that mark. And so the word for archery when you miss the mark is harmartia. And that's a Greek word that is translated sin. So when you look at people, I want you as Christians to stop looking at people just as sinners, When we think about life, life is lived lived by strategies. And if someone is missing the mark, it's not because they were created inherently uh, flawed. Because we're created in the image of God, we're fabulous. But it's just the strategy the system has given us that keeps us missing the mark. So rather than judging the person... Let's look at their strategy and help them to see, look, if you were trying to be happy and you keep developing relationships that bring you unhappiness, it may not be an issue with you. It may be an issue with your strategy. See, we, we, we want to boil everything down to people's character. Sometimes it's not a character flaw. Sometimes it's an action, it's an activity, it's a strategy, it's a flawed strategy. And so what Jesus wanted to do is to bring them into right living by helping them to change their strategy. So the, the message of the kingdom is about you gaining the proper life strategies so that you can be successful. The proper health strategy, the proper spiritual strategy, the proper relationship strategy, the proper financial strategy. Say, for instance, if at the end of the year you said, I wanted to have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and at the end of the year you had a hundred thousand dollars but it was a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt you don't curse the debt and curse the bank you look back and say my strategy is aired this is harmartia the life strategy is aired 
And this is why you went, end up getting people that are drug addicts and prostitutes and alcoholics. And they tell you, I never wanted to be a drug addict. I never wanted to be a prostitute, but I didn't have the proper life strategies. Yeah. We are here today because of a series of strategies. And this is what God said. I came to save you. I'm coming to save you from yourself and give you the proper strategy, the strategy that the system never gave you. Because as long as you are controlled by the system, you can say you're free if you want, but they are controlling you. But once you're liberated, we call liberation salvation. And the salvation is from a system that does not want you to maximize your potential in God. It wants to use your gifts. It wants to use your talents. It wants to use your ability. And let me just give you this scripture to prove it. Look at Revelation with me, please. And we'll see what salvation is all about. And then I want to end our first lesson on this note. This is Revelation. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 18, if you would go there with me, please. And let's, let's look at this conspiracy, conspiracy reality. It's more than a theory. It's a reality. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lit, lightened up with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, is become a habitation of devils and the holes of every foul uh, and a hold of every foul spirit and the ca cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of her wrath, of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. And so now we're looking at uh, fornication. If you're married to Christ, if that's what you are, if you're, if you're betrothed to him, if the church is the bride of Christ, then it means that you're going outside of your covenant and, and, and now you're, you're interacting in an intimate way with another system. So you've got the kingdom of heaven, king of kings, small k, and lord of lords, you're committing fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. And uh, that means, you know, when we think about the abundance of her delicacy, we're talking about white color crime, drug um, pushing, um, uh, anything that is criminal, um, and all the criminal activities you could think of, prostitution, uh, human trafficking, drug trafficking, any kind of criminal, criminal activity. This is what they're saying, that people are getting rich out of the abundance of her delicacies and being controlled. The entire economy or the economic system is built on deception and lies and people are getting wealthy because of it. Verse number four, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. This is interesting. You, you, I, I'm telling you to come out of the system because, because all that system can do is prostitute you. And it's going to prostitute your gift and prostitute your anointing. You will spend most of your time, most of your talent, most of your energy, even though we preach against it, but yet we work in it. And we would rather give God just a portion of our gift, a portion of our talent. Um, and then if service runs too long on a Sunday and we only have an hour of power. And so if it goes over an hour and five minutes, we're out of here. So midweek is an hour of power 
and on Sunday is about two hours, and then the rest of the week. So if you have about three hours, it's 168 uh, hours in a week, 168 hours, and so 165 of them, we're actually promoting another kingdom. Because we're giving our gifts, and we're giving our talents, we're giving our abilities, we're giving the best of our time, the best of our mind to another system that we claim is inferior to ours. And then if we raise the standard so that you perform in an excellent way, we usually leave the church. If we put pressure on you to bring the excellence that you would have given in the marketplace, and if we demand that level of excellence in the house of God, we have problems with that. This is what we say. It don't take all of that. Well, why don't you go to your job and tell your boss, it don't take all of that. (laughs) So it's almost like we're hypocritical. We'd rather be prostituted by a system that just wants to use our gifts, use our talent, but doesn't want us to take the same gifts and same talent and bring it and build the kingdom of heaven. So the Bible says, come out of her, my people, that you may not be partakers of her sin, that you receive not her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. Reward her even as she has rewarded you, double for her, double unto her, double according to her works in the cup which she has filled uh, fill to her double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, she shall, she shall see no sorrow. So we're talking about this, this spirit and the Bible is likening the whole world system to Babylon and likening her to a city. So when you go from city to city or state to state, we usually refer to the city as a her. The earth is called a her anyway. So suspended just above the earth is a spiritual system and it's a machine. It's either the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. And so if you're living in the kingdom of light, you can live in the best of two worlds and not compromise your Christian values in order to succeed in the world. You can maintain your values and you can go into the kingdom of darkness as light, as leaders, as people that bring wisdom and solutions to the table. The Bible said, verse number eight, therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord who has judged her. And the kings of the earth, who are the kings of the earth? Yes, because Jesus is capital K, king of small K. So he's talking about you and I. He's talking about the citizens of the kingdom of heaven that should be walking in dominion and should be providing the leadership and bringing the solution to world problems. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her. So we don't want to give up uh, the world because we don't realize that God has better. Uh, The Bible said that whoever had shall have even more and live abundantly. But he that hath not, even that which he hath, shall be what? taking away from them. So the Bible says they've lived deliciously with her. She be well, uh, shall bewail her and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning standing afar off for the fear of her torment saying, alas, alas, the city Babylon, that mighty city for in one hour, 
is the judgment come and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her so we're talking about the whole economic system um, is is going to collapse the commercial systems will collapse all of these systems are going to collapse this is the end of the day for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold, watch this, and silver, and precious stone, and pearls, and fine linen, and purple, and silk, and scarlet. What are these things? What is gold, and silver, and precious stone, and pearls, and precious stones, and pearls, and fine linen? What are those things? They're commodities. Yeah. So a commodity is what you invest in. It doesn't matter what you're going to make out of the commodity. You can make gold earrings, civil earrings. You can make uh, uh, couches that you sit on. But these are commodities that are bought and trade in the stock market. So there's going to be a stock market crash. And the stock market will never be rebuilt again. So this is the stock market crash that is going on. The pearls, the fine linen, purple silk, scarlet. Are you still with me? Verse number 12. And all thine in wood and all manners of vessels of ivory, all manners of vessel of the most precious wood and brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots. And watch this. And slaves and the souls of man. And so this conspiracy is biblical. You could see it right here. What the enemy wants, the enemy wants your soul. The soul houses your mind, your will, your emotions. Because if he can control that, he he can change the trajectory of the destiny of families, of marriages, of governments, of institutions, and the entire world. But God sent Jesus to introduce uh, to us an alternative way of living. He said, I came to seek and to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, so that they can do well and be made whole in the process. You are going to be delivered from a system that wants to control your destiny. That's all it wants. It wants to keep you broken. It wants to keep you um, uh, battered. It wants to keep you disconnected from your life source. And that is God himself. He's going to deliver you. He's going to protect you. He's going to heal you. He's going to preserve you. He's going to make you whole. And then he's going to anoint you to do well. And so in conclusion, when we talk about men, we talk about what Jesus came to do. And in the process for three years, he began to teach them on the kingdom to offer them an alternative life strategy. We know that a system is churning humanity out, but here's an alternative world that you can live in, an alternative kingdom. And and what God is doing is giving us a choice. In conclusion, I'm going to conclude with this particular text is out of Ecclesiastes 10, 5 to 7. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error, which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity and the rich sit in low places. This is interesting because the Bible says that it proceeds from the ruler. And when we talk about rulers, rulers make the rules. But there are going to be some rules that are about to be broken. The Bible said there's an error that I see under the sun. This is talking about humanity. 
the word error, an inaccuracy, a miscalculation, a misrepresentation, a blunder, an oversight, a fold, a misconception that I see under the heaven, talking about humanity, and it proceeds from the ruler. And we're talking about the prince of the power of darkness. He rules over darkness, over the ignorance of this world. He said, folly is said in great dignity, and the rich sit in low places. I have seen servants on horses and princes walking as servants on the earth. God is getting ready to reverse that. And the message of the kingdom gives us the ability to no longer walk around ignorant to who we are, fighting with a lost sense of direction and fighting because we have lost our identity. The church is suffering from an identity crisis. And the one thing that is going to restore us back to our right mentality as representatives over the kingdom of heaven is our understanding of the kingdom. Amen. You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 